0: Hello and welcome to the Backtracker History Show podcast with me, Alice. Join me as I go delving through the archives to find out more about the people, places and events from the past. Listen to tales of dastardly pirates and amazing innovators, catastrophic accidents and devious crimes. This podcast has it all. And this episode is no exception, so get ready to give your ears a treat maybe learn a few things on the way. As I don't believe in sanitising the facts of history, these episodes may contain information that some people find disturbing. boys in the wild west the village of Frampton Cottrell doesn't really come to mind situated on the outskirts of Bristol just northwest is a little village with a lot of history Frampton means the settlement farmstead or village on the Froome and the name Cottrell is derived from the Cotillo family lords of Frampton Manor in the 12th and early 13th centuries Now this is one of the reasons why I love history because I've driven through Frampton Cottrell loads and loads of times but I wasn't aware that it was a major manufacturer of hat and it was chosen for a hat factory because it had clean water, coal, skilled workers and an easy supply of rabbit fur. The area was so important that the Hatters Union had its headquarters at nearby Watley's End. And here's a fact that's unrelated to our main story. Frampton is mentioned in Monty Python's sketch, Adolf Hitler lives in a guesthouse in Minehead. Until recently, it was not generally known that the parishes of Frampton, Cottrell and Winterbourne were home for about 300 years to this unusual and fascinating industry. The making of felt hoods and hats from wool and animal fur. Together, these two centres employed about 4,000 men over this period, and the manufacturer began in 1570. Felt hats were made from a mixture of fur, chopped wool, mercury and size. They were the only waterproof hats until oilskins were invented in the 1820s. <laughs>
1: Word of the Week.
0: And this week, my friends, I give you... Size. I'm not talking about size as in the standard measurement for clothes and shoes and other things. I'm talking about size as was mentioned earlier in the construction of the hats. In this case, it's a sticky substance that is used for making material stiff or for preparing walls for wallpaper. The 1841 census shows that 196 hatters were still employed in Frampton, and 177 in Winterbourne, representing 32% of the working population across the two villages. In Watley's End, there were 121 hatters, 67% of all men in work. However, in the 29 years to 1870, hat manufacturing disappeared almost completely from the area. The factory's best known product was the beaver, an ordinary broad-brimmed hat covered with beaver fur, imported from Canada through the Port of Bristol. The industry was killed off in 1871, by the new fashion for silk toppers and the rocketing price of imported beaver fur. At one time, the old factory was used as a home for Roman Catholic nuns. Not only was Frampton Cottrell a major manufacturer of hats, but it was also the birthplace of one of the most enduring legends of the Wild West, the famous 10-gallon hat. White for goodies, black for baddies, which was invented in this old cow town. A 10-gallon hat is often thought to be large enough to hold 10 gallons of water. This isn't true, unless you have an exceptionally large head. The gallon in 10-gallon hat derives from the Spanish galón, meaning braid. So, a 10-gallon hat is a hat with a braiding around the brim. cowboy heroes on television should be wearing Christie's rather than Stetson's, especially when you consider that Christie won a legal battle to decide who invented the broad-rimmed Western hat. The brand was founded in 1773 by Miller Christie, and amongst its notable commissions has been the official helmet manufacturer of the UK police force for two centuries. Christie's stands as the godfather of British hat making, not least since its Homburg hat was worn by Marlon Brando's Don Corleone. The cult of Christie's is recognisable throughout cinema, fashion, music, and politics, amassing an eclectic lineup of wearers, from Winston Churchill to Kate Moss, Indiana Jones to Brad Pitt. Christie's was and is a brand with an eye on the future and while methods have remained largely unchanged and heritage is paramount it is the capacity to transcend trends and social borders that makes christie's hats as sought after as ever historic iconic trailblazing Christie's famous hat factory in Park Lane, Frampton Cottrell once employed a quarter of local residents and is now a listed building and a spacious house. Christie's built their factory in 1812 in an area where hatting was already a major cottage industry. The main business was trading with the West Indies, making large brimmed felt hats for slaves harvesting sugarcane in the rainy season. The 10-gallon hat should really have been known as a Christie, and might have been, but for a nifty bit of piracy. An American hat maker called J.B. Stetson liked the wide-brimmed, high-crowned hat so much he started making his own. Christie's were furious. Bristol University lecturer John Moore said, Few people knew that the 10-gallon hat was invented in Frampton Cottrell but it's well documented in records of the hat makers who built and owned the factory last century, J.B. Stetson fought a long patent case with Christie's and lost. The result was that he had to pay a license fee to market the famous Stetson hat. Stetson might have lost the court battle, but he won in the long term. That style of hat is known universally as a Stetson and Christie's role is completely forgotten. So is the company's link with the Canadian Mounties. The famous pointy hat, later adopted by the Boy Scouts and a television lager commercial, was another Christie invention and is still in wide use across the world today. (laughs) Word on the street. And this week, we're taking a delightful stroll to Assembly Rooms Lane in the centre of Bristol. Now, you're not gonna be surprised to know that there were actually Assembly Rooms here, built in 1755 and demolished in 1912. They had a side frontage on this lane. The glory days of the building waned when the Clifton Assembly Rooms were built in the Mall in 1811. So this building was later used as a theatre for a very brief period, until complaints from the owners of the Theatre Royal in King Street forced it to close. Christie's, along with other hatmakers of the time, were also partly responsible for a much nastier sideline of history. The company used poisonous mercury in the felt-making process, while windows were kept tightly closed to avoid the fine rabbit fur blowing away. The fumes affected the workers so badly that the saying, as mad as a hatter, was born. And even Lewis Carroll used it as inspiration for a character in Alice in Wonderland. That wasn't the only danger in the hatter's working environment. There was a high instance of asthma from flying fibres that entered the lungs. The hot acid baths corroded hands making sores slow to heal. An all-day pressure rolling of felts led to loss of muscle power. Chemicals like mercury and possibly anthrax, together with a high alcohol intake, led to a miserable life for many. Hatters often died young, but if they survived, lived only a year less than the average working man. However, by the age of 50, they were much more likely to be sick and their occupational diseases, often leading to an uncomfortable old age. Now, most of you probably have never heard of him, but in his day, cowboy Tom Mix was the iconic Stetson wearer. Tom was an American film actor and the star of many early Western films or Horse operas, as they were called, between 1908 and 1935. He appeared in 291 films, all but nine of which were silent films. He was Hollywood's first Western star and helped define the genre as it emerged in the early days of the cinema. He was, quite literally, the hero of many boys all over the world. But Tom Edwin Mix's tale starts off as the son of Irish Edwin Elias Mix and Elizabeth Highstead, a Scottish Native American. His grandfather translated the Bible into the Osage Indian language. Tom was born to be a cowboy. He had learned to ride just after he started walking. He was an expert lassoist by seven and a crack shot with a rifle by ten. Before becoming a movie star, Tom had been a courier for Colonel Theodore Roosevelt during the Spanish-American War when he was wounded by a bullet which tore through the roof of his mouth and came out the back of his neck. He was scarcely recovered from that injury when a bursting shell took the skin off his head from his eyebrows to his pate. He was then engaged to break in horses for the British in the Boer War, taking a consignment into the Battle of Ladysmith. And when he returned to America, he embraced the cowboy lifestyle in earnest and became a sheriff in not one, but four different counties. And then finally a rancher. On a visit to Bristol in 1938, he wore the biggest and silliest Stetson ever, at least a 20 gallon hat. Utterly impractical for hiding behind rocks or saloon doors, but the huge crowds thought it was wonderful. During that visit, Tom talked about the changes in the film industry in regards to westerns.
1: In those days, western pictures was the real thing. We made them outside where they naturally belong. But after a while, things wasn't so good. We got directors who only knew what they'd seen in a couple of Wild West shows. We didn't have real corrals and ranches, but they built what they thought someone thought was a corral and a ranch. Then the writers came, and the sound men, and the script girls and the assistant cameraman and all the others. And next thing you know, you got a couple of songs in the picture."
0: As you can tell, he was a firm believer in making the films as historically accurate as possible. On a tour of England in 1939, Tom appeared at the Bristol Hippodrome with his famous horse, Tony, who had appeared in all his films. The show featured Tom showing off his sharp shooting skills with his revolver or gun, as well as rope spinning. And by all accounts, Bristol loved it. On October 12th, 1940, after visiting Primo County Sheriff Ed Eccles in Tucson, Arizona, Mix headed north towards Phoenix on the now called Arizona State Route 79. About 18 miles or 29 kilometers south of Florence, Mix came upon construction barriers and a bridge washed away by a flash flood. Unable to stop in time, his car swerved twice, then overturned in a gully. A large aluminum suitcase containing money, traveler's checks and jewels, which was on the package shelf behind his head hurtled forward like a rocket and struck him, breaking his neck. He was 60 years old. At the time, he was wearing his full cowboy regalia, and his death was instant. During my research for this show, I was very intrigued to find out that there is a Tom Mix Museum situated in Dewey, Oklahoma, where he served as a marshal. And it was while working at the 101 Ranch that Tom met Selig and began his movie career. Tom married five times and had two children. The idea for this museum started in 1965, when a group of Dewey businessmen were looking for ways to bring tourists to the city. And knowing the connection with Tom Mix, it was an obvious answer. At the time, it was also known that when Tom died, a judge had given many of his personal possessions to a neighbor. So if the city could somehow obtain these items and arrange to showcase them in a Dewey museum, it was believed the museum would be an excellent way to get more people into the town. The Oklahoma Historical Society stepped in to help with the setting up. And there is now an amazing museum dedicated to the life and times of Tom Mix. This museum contains a display of his costumes, memorabilia, photographs and some of his personal property. And it has many rave reviews on TripAdvisor. If you'd like more information, go to the website at www.tommixmuseum.com. Now let me tell you a bit about Stetson hats or Stetsons often known simply as cowboy hats, which, along with stuff like Coke and Hoover, refers to a product, but is based from the company name of someone who made that product in the past. The John B. Stetson Company of St. Joseph, Missouri, founded by John B. Stetson, is the manufacturer of some of the more famous variants of the cowboy hat, a felt hat with a tall crown and a very wide brim. It functions to protect the wearer's eyes from the sun and can also double up as a water bowl. There are two versions of the history associated with the Stetson's hat. The first, and most believed one, is in fact based on legend. This version states that in the 1860s, Stetson created a rugged hat for himself made from the thick beaver fur felt while panning for gold in Colorado. According to legend, Stetson invented the hat while on a hunting trip, showing his companions how he could make cloth out of fur without weaving. Stetson made an unusually large hat from fur felt he made from hides collected on the trip, and wore the hat for the remainder of the expedition. Although initially worn as a joke, Stetson soon grew fond of the hat for its ability to protect its wearer from the elements. It had a wide brim for protection, and a high crown to keep an insulating pocket of air on the head, as well as the waterproof lining, so that the hat could be used to carry water. The hat was, however, more popular in the US, and was first sold in Central City, Colorado, in 1865, in the style called The Boss of the Plains. In 1869, Stetson returned to Philadelphia to found his hat company, which produced high quality hats for outdoor use. In 1886, Stetson's hat company was the largest in the world and had mechanized the hat making industry. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police red serge dress uniform includes a Stetson with a flat brim. The Stetson was first used unofficially by the Northwest Mounted Police in place of the traditional white pith helmet. The colour for the RCMP Stetson is sometimes referred to as Belgian Belly. It is a reddish buff with pastel-like colour of the under fur of the Belgian hair. Belgian Belly is also a very little used second name for the Stetson. In a second Boer War, the flat-brimmed Stetson became the standard issue of the second Canadian contingent, becoming recognised throughout the British Empire as a symbol of Canada. The Stetson hat became a part of the uniform of the Royal Northwest Mounted Police, which later became the Royal Canadian Mounted Police.
1: The History of North America podcast is a sweeping historical saga of the United States, Canada and Mexico from their deep origins to our present epoch. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this exciting, fascinating, epic journey through time, focusing on the compelling, wonderful, and tragic stories of North America's inhabitants, heroes, villains, leaders, environment, and geography. This incredible historical adventure follows a path of exciting events, led by interesting people who reach beyond their grasp to touch key moments in time. The History of North America podcast series is an educational and entertaining look at the thrilling chronicle of North America, an action-packed tale of a continent that is still unfolding. I invite you to come along for the ride.
0: In the news today, in a divorce court recently, a man stated how the divorce proceedings started. He said he told his wife she should embrace her mistakes and she gave him a hug.
1: in the day facts.
0: Righto, let's start off with the 25th of June, in 1984, when Prince releases his Purple Rain album, the soundtrack to the film of the same name. Purple Rain further established Prince as a figurehead for pop music of the 1980s, and it's regarded as one of the greatest albums of all time. In 2010, Purple Rain was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. In 2012, the album was added to the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry list of sound recordings that are culturally, historically or aesthetically important. In 2019, the film Purple Rain was added by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically or aesthetically significant. On the 26th of June, 1498, the toothbrush was invented in China using boar bristles. On the 28th of June, 1914, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, Archduke of Austria, and his wife Sophie by Bosnian Serb assassin Gavrilo Princip in Sarajevo sets off a chain of alliances that begins World War I. On the 29th of June, 1613, the Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London burns down during a performance of Henry VIII. And on the 30th of June, 1975, Muhammad Ali retains the world heavyweight boxing crown by beating Englishman Joe Bugner by unanimous points decision in a rematch in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Well, that's the end of the show for this week. But don't worry, I'll be here, same time, same place, next week. And our stars of the show this week are Sam Roberts from St Stephen's Drama Group in Bristol and Jodie B from the Poe Boys podcast, both of whom really added to the story. Thank you once again for listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. I also occasionally post onto TikTok and Instagram. So do come along and find me because it's amazing to hear from you and get some feedback or even ideas for future shows. As a small independent podcaster, your help and support is always appreciated. And one way you can do that is to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review also helps as it gives other people an idea of what the show's about. The show is regularly released on Mondays. So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other.